How are you guys doing this morning? All right. Hey, we're going to talk. Uh, Pastor kicked off the Revenant series last week. And of course, he said that's someone who comes back from you know, being gone for a long time as if from the dead. Of course, there, there, there may be a movie that you, know, you may have heard about where that's the Revenant theme where somebody comes back. But we're taking that. And uh, last week, he talked about Jonah who went off. And at the end of the service, it's kind of like volleyball. You know, he kind of he, he kind of set me up right there so I could spike this one in because uh, we're going to talk about the prodigal today. And, um, but we're going to do it a little bit differently. I'm gonna, we, we'll kind of talk about the whole story. Most of you guys, even if you didn't grow up in church, even if you weren't, uh, uh, you, you haven't you know, read the Bible a lot and heard all these stories, you've probably heard the story of the prodigal son. Uh, you know, it, it, everybody knows how it goes. It's found in Luke uh, chapter 15, where uh, they talk about it. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to do that one first. Uh, they they, they kind of talk about um, the prodigal story. Jesus is talking to, to, to the Pharisees, and he starts off, you guys know this story. There was a son. He goes to his dad. He said, hey, dad, give me what you, go, go ahead and give me my inheritance now because uh, I'm going to blow this popsicle stand because I don't like the way this is going here. So I'm going to go. I got things to do and people to see and girls to meet. So I'm going to take off. And so he takes off and he goes out and he spends all his money. And of course, he becomes broke and poor and, and he gets out. And so he's feeding the pigs. And you know, this is the part everybody knows. He's feeding the pigs and he sees the pig slop. And he says, you know, I'm so hungry that uh, uh, I could eat this pig slop. But you know what? The servants at my dad's house eat better than this. So if I go home and get a job as a servant, then I'd be better off than this. So he decides to go back home, and of course his father takes him. And all you guys know the story, and, and we talk about that a lot in church. So thank you, you're dismissed this morning. We're just going, no, I'm just kidding. Um, you guys know the story of the prodigal son. Well, I want to talk about the three main characters that are in there today. Uh, and of course, you saw the title a minute ago. It said, you know, the prodigal, the older brother, and the good, good father. Now, there, there are three different characters, and and... Talking about Revenant, you probably think we're going to spend a lot of time about the prodigal today. Well, you'd be wrong. So I'm weird and I do things weird. So that's what we're doing. Uh, we're going to talk just a little bit about the prodigal, but I want to spend some, some time about the other two characters because I think ultimately this story, well, let, let me give you a little background. Jesus is talking to Pharisees because there was some grumbling going on and people complained. As a matter of fact, uh, at the beginning of 15, it says, by this time, a lot of men and women of doubtful reputation. That's a nice way of saying there were some really scummy people that were hanging around Jesus. They were hanging around Jesus, listening intently. The Pharisees and religious scholars were not pleased, not at all pleased. They were quite upset about this. They growled. He takes, I like that. He, I love the message Bible. They growled. He takes in sinners and eats meals with them, treating them like old friends. Their grumbling triggered this story. Um, now, he proceeds to tell three stories here. The first one, he talks about the, the parable of the lost sheep where uh, the shepherd leaves the 99 and goes after the one. He tells about the lost coin. But then the coup de grace, the, 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 the thing that he really has is the story of the prodigal. And it begins to tell this story. And so, you know, I, I kind of want to give you some background on that because it all started, Jesus is talking for this. He's not talking just to people that are lost or people that are prodigals. He's talking to the Pharisees at this point. He's talking to the religious leaders and religious scholars. And so this, point, this morning, I want you to know we're going to talk about this story because we're talking to the church this morning. Because sometimes we are the new Pharisees. We're the ones who have the, you know, we're, we're the ones who make the rules and make the laws. Those who've been in church and the pastors and the leaders and, and those are the ones. And that's who, that's who he's talking about. This story is ultimately about the world, the church, and the grace of the Father. And so this morning, you know, we're going to talk about the world just a little bit, but, but this morning as we prepare for our Easter, you know, it, it, starting around Easter, we're really going to be hitting, because we're hoping to get a lot of people in here who are unchurched, de-churched, anti-church, people who need Jesus. But what we've got to do is get ourselves prepared so when they get here, we know what to do. And so that's what we're going to do today. Would you pray with me? God, you are awesome. You are beautiful. 
This day is, is the day that you've made, and we're going to rejoice and be glad in it. God, we've, we've worshiped you with beautiful music. We've come and we've rejoiced and, and we've, we've loved one another. And now, God, we're going to hear your word. And I pray this morning that every word that comes out of my mouth that is not anointed by you would simply go in one ear and out the other. But God, the truths that you have in your word today would take root in our heart and would help to remind us of the grace that you've shown us, God, so that we can in turn show that grace to others. In your awesome and beautiful name, amen. So ultimately, this story is about that. So I, I, I want to start off a little bit and uh, we'll talk about the prodigal for just a minute. Because there may be some of you in here today that, are, that you may be the prodigal. Maybe you were a prodigal. Maybe you know a prodigal. Maybe you've raised a prodigal. Well, you know, you, I want to talk about that for just a second because the prodigal is the son. Now, let, let me give you a little bit of background. He goes to his father and he says, you know, give me my inheritance that you have. Now, now here's the way that the, the inheritance thing worked. Uh, first off, Jesus is talking to a group of Jewish scholars in the Jewish community to respect, to, to disrespect your elders is one of the ultimate sins. Uh, if you look back at Exodus 20, 12, the verse when he was given the Ten Commandments, the verse says, love your father, honor your father and your mother that the days may be long on the land that the Lord your God has given you. God, respect for your elders, respect for your mother and father is taught throughout the word over and over and over again. And he's talking to the religious scholars, the people who understood this more than anything. And he starts off the story by saying a man had two sons. And the youngest son came and said, give me my inheritance so that I can go and do something else. Right off the bat, Jesus kind of grabbed their attention because this is something that just didn't happen. But the prodigal did and he came. And so the way that it worked is that um, this father had two sons. So when he died, all of his possessions would be divided into three equal shares. The oldest son would get a double portion. So he'd get two thirds and the younger son would get one third. Being an oldest son, I kind of like the way that works. I think that's the way it should work. Uh, my younger siblings disagree with that, but that's okay. And so, you know, but, uh, but so, so that's what he came. So this younger son, he's looking around and he probably realizes, I don't like the family business. I don't like what we're doing here. I'm not happy with this. I'm only going to get a third of this anyway. So I'm going to go do my own thing. And so of course we all know, uh, I, I don't know about you guys, but when I was in my early twenties, I knew everything. And so, uh, you know, the older I get, the less that I've realized that I know. And so, um, so he still knew everything and wanted his money while he still knew everything so that he could go and do that. So he gets his inheritance and he goes out. He leaves the safety of home for the bright lights of the big city. He wants to go out and he wants to party and do some things. The verse right there says, sorry, uh, the verse says, uh, Luke 15, 12, the younger said to his father, I want right now what's coming to me. So the father, if I, if I had said, if I had told my dad, I want what's coming to me, I wouldn't have got money. But anyway, <laughs> the younger said to the father, I want right now what's coming to me. So the father divided the property between them. It wasn't long before the younger son packed his bags and left for a distant country. There, undisciplined and dissipated, he wasted everything that he had. So he goes out and we talked about this story. Now, a lot of us are like that, or, or, or we know somebody like that. Maybe we used to be like that. Because you see, the prodigal, the father provided everything. The father gave him everything that he did. The father gave him life. The father gave him food to eat. The father gave him somewhere to work. He would, he'd have a job. The father took care of this everything. And he went to the father and he said, you know what? I know better than you. I want what's mine so I can go. Now, there, there are people in the world that do exactly that to our father in heaven. We go, the man, who, the, the, the one, the creator of all life, the one who gave us our being, the word says in him we, we live and breathe, we have all of our being in him. And so they look at the father and they say, you know what? You take care of me, you provide for me, I know better than you, I'm going to go do my own thing. 
I know, you know, this was Jonah last week that pastor talked about. Jonah, God said, I want you to do this. He said, you know what, God? I think I got this. I, I, I think I got a better plan. And so he goes off in another direction. And so that's what the prodigal does right there. And so some of you, like I said, may, maybe you've raised one, maybe you know one, maybe you are one, but the prodigal, he leaves and he goes out and does all the things. The next thing the prodigal does though, is he goes out and, and he lives the life and pretty soon he comes to the point that he's completely miserable. And this happens a lot of times. So what does he do? He goes, he decides that he's going to come back and repent and seek mercy. Now, as a prodigal, when you find out that you've, you've tried everything there is to try and you realize that nothing has made me happy and you realize, you know what? Maybe dad wasn't so bad. Maybe coming home at curfew. Growing up, I had a curfew. My curfew was 10 o'clock. Um, I, was, I was the only freshman at Sanford University that had to be home at 10 o'clock at night. I promise you. I remember nights because the pep band was playing at the basketball game that I had to go find it because they didn't have cell phones back then. This was just after the Civil War. And so we didn't have cell phones. I had to go find a phone and call my dad and say, hey, dad, the game's going late. It's going to be 1130 or so before I get home. Because if I didn't, I'd get what was coming to me when I got home and it had nothing to do with money and land. And so, um, so growing up, you know, that was a drag. I hated it. I couldn't stand. I, man, I thought my parents were the most unfair, un, it was just terrible until I had kids. And the older I get and I realize, you know what? My dad was protecting me. My dad was trying to keep me from getting in trouble. He was doing some things. Now, maybe he could have, you know, 10, 30, 11 o'clock, but you know, it was 10 o'clock. <laughs> My wife, kids, because uh, uh, I moved out of my house just a couple of months before we got married. We were engaged, and I had to be home by 11 o'clock at night. I mean, I, you know, this is, you think I'm kidding. Uh, the prodigal decides, you know what? I'm feeding pigs and living in filth. Being home at 11 o'clock wasn't so bad. And as the prodigal, sometimes we, we like to think about the fact that, that God is trying to take away our fun, that God is trying to keep us, he's trying to take away my free choice. God gave you a free choice to make it. But God loves you. And so we get to that point that we try everything else and we, we come to that point like this prodigal that he realizes that, you know what? Maybe that wasn't so bad. As a matter of fact, his servants get treated better than this. I could just go be a servant at my dad's house and get a job waiting tables or whatever. You know, I could get a job working in the field, driving a tractor, whatever it is. It's got to be better than this. And that's what the prodigal did. He, he decides that he's going to repent and he seeks mercy. The, verse, uh, the, the Bible tells us uh, in verse 18 there, I'm going back to my father. I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against God and I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son. Take me as a hired hand. And you see, the prodigal comes to the point that he realizes that anything's better than this, and so that's what he does. For us, a lot of times as sinners, we decide that, you know, we, we, we want to repent, but we want it on our terms. We want a plea deal with God. You know, <laughs> hey, God, I tell you what, I'll come back, and uh, I'll only go to bars every other Saturday night, but I'll be at church, uh, I'll be at church every Sunday, so you'll work it out. All right, hey, I t I'll tell you what, God, um, you know, I'll quit doing this particular thing that you've convicted me of. But this other thing I'm going to keep here just a little bit. You know, I'm, I'm going to work it out. We would like to plead deal with God. But see, he realized, the prodigal realized that, you know what? Anything is better than this. I will do anything to get out of this situation that I'm in. And that's what a lot of these prodigals is. I, I, I have, uh, there's a young man that, that, uh, that I know extremely well who was a prodigal. And um, he went and he did things and, and it broke his father and his mother's heart. And they prayed for him and... 
And, and they, they were there and they constantly, and the day that he came back, because the, the, the father knew that God told him, this is something he has to do. You have to let him do this. And so he went and he did it and he went out and he did his own thing and, and, and he got, and he was miserable. And, and he came to his father and he said, uh, when it finally came where he was at his, he was at his wit's end, he, did, he had reached the very bottom. And, and his dad talked to him and he said, listen, why don't you come home? And his son said, I, I, I can't come home. I, I've done, you don't know what I've done. And the dad looked at him. He said, it doesn't matter what you've done because you're my son. And no matter where you've been and no matter what you've done, you will always be my son. And I will always love you. Not because, not because you, you're, you're pretty or you can sing or you can do this or do this. I will always love you because you are my son. And the prodigal came and realized that. And this prodigal son, he moved home. And he began, to, he began to turn his life around and began to do things. Was he perfect from then on out? Absolutely not. But he began to turn things around. And that's where the prodigal... So this morning, if you're a prodigal or if you know a prodigal or if you've... Whatever, wherever you are in this prodigal, if that's you, then I want you to know that there is hope and there is grace and there is something better than where you're at. We're going to talk about the grace of the Father in just a minute. But I wanted to do that. But I want to spend the bulk of the time this morning on the next character in this, which is the older brother. The older brother is the one who was, uh, he's the responsible one. He's the one who was always there. Now, I was the older brother. And so growing up, you know, we did things. I was the one who, uh, I, 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 got it, I, I got grounded. I remember getting grounded for making more Bs than As on my report card. You guys think my dad is a terrible person right now at this moment in time. Welcome to my 16-year-old self. No, that, you know, I, I, I remember that because my, and my dad would tell me, I'm not grounding you because you got a B. I'm grounding you because you can do better than this. I'm not grounding you for, anybody else hear that garbage when they were growing up, you know? <laughs> everybody said that as a father, you know? Uh, but, you know, he, he told me, he said, you know, I believe in you and you can do better than this and I know you can do better than this. And so, you know, I, I, I want you to strive to do better. And so the older brother, you know, is the one who, who, who does the things. You know, uh, I saw a t-shirt that said, um, it said, I'm the oldest I'm the, one, I'm the one who they set the rules for. Then the next one said, I'm the middle child. I'm the one that I'm the reason for the rules. And then I'm the youngest. The rules don't apply to me. And so that's, the, that's kind of the way it is with my kids. But, you know, the oldest child is the one that, that that's the one they set the rules for. My, my dad has told me now, he said, you know, he said, I, I was 21, 22 years old when you were born. He said, I, I didn't know what I was doing, man. I, I, was, I was learning on the job with you. He said, I'm just, <laughs> he told me, he said, I'm just glad that your brother wasn't born first. But anyway, um, he was the one that pushed the rules. But anyway, so, uh, um, and, and so the older brother is the one who is a responsible party. And so the older brother, if we apply, if we apply what I told you a minute ago, that the prodigal refers to the world, refers to the lost, those that are anti-church or de-churched or unchurched, those that are out there, if we refer to those as the prodigal, the older brother refers to us as the church. And, and this is where he's kind of talking to the Pharisees and the religious leaders. Now, the story is the brother comes back home and the father is relieved to see him. And so they, he decides to throw a party for him. And so the older brother is working out in the field because he's the responsible one. And so as he comes back and he's, he's been out working in the field and he comes back and he says, what's all the hubbub, bub? What's going on, guys? And it says, um, they tell him that they're having a party. He became mad because he felt neglected. If you read the verse, this uh, right there, Luke 15, chapter, uh, uh, chapter 15, verse 29, the son said, he's talking to the father. He, he's out there. He's having a pity party. He, does, he said, I'm not going to go into this party because they didn't throw me a party. 
They didn't, he, he never did anything for me, and I'm the one here. that I, I, I'm the responsible one. How come I don't get a party? So the father comes out to talk to him because he wants both his kids in there. And the son said, look how many years I've stayed here serving you, never given you one moment of grief. But have you ever thrown a party for me and my friends? Then this son of yours, who has thrown away your money on prostitutes, shows up. You thought I was going to say it, didn't you? Prostitutes shows up, and you go all out with a feast. The older son got upset because he felt neglected. He said, I'm the one here doing the right thing. Now, if we take that and we apply that to us as the church, if we apply that to the Pharisees, who Jesus is talking to, there are times that we have people that come into the church they're prodigals, and they've come, and they've been out there, and they have been at rock bottom. They, have, they, they've been, they may not have been actually slopping pigs, but they've been doing things that are as gross as slopping pigs. And they've come to, and, and they realize that anything has got to be better than this, and they come to the church, and they say, you know what? Anything, I'll just be a servant. Just let me in. I, you don't have, I don't have to be a son. I just, I'll do anything. And we as the Pharisees, we as the church sometimes... We get the attitude because they come in, and the Bible tells us that whenever someone comes to him, the angels rejoice in heaven, that they throw a party, that they get excited because, because one of the lost sheep has been found. And we many times take the attitude of the older brother. We get upset because we feel neglected. And we say, you never throw me a party. You know, I, I, I've been going to this church for 35 years. My father was one of the founding members of this church. I got a name on the pew. They never, they never have a party for, they don't stand up and clap for me like they do when we baptize people. You know, uh, they, they don't know. I'm, I'm here, I'm here at eight o'clock every Sunday morning. I unload the truck and I'm sweating and everything by the time it starts, I don't see them, you know, I don't see them clapping for me like they do these, these prima donnas on the stage dancing around and flashing their long curly hair up here while they're playing the keyboard. You know, we, we, we like to put these things in because, you know, we, we begin to feel neglected just like the older brother did. But you see, the idea is that God is looking for the prodigal and God wants them, but God also loves the older brother and God loves the church and he wants us to understand. So the older brother, he, he, he gets upset about that. The next thing that the older brother is that he begins to try to make himself feel better than his younger brother. He tries to make himself, if you notice when he's talking to the father, he said, I've been here and I've never given you a moment's trouble. This son of yours has been out wasting your money. He didn't say my brother. He didn't say his name. This son of yours, that's kind of what my wife says when one of my kids get in trouble. Your son today, you know, <laughs> that's kind of the way it works. It's, it's, it's not our baby. It's your son and that's what he did. He looked at him and he said, your son has been out wasting this money and you throw him a party when he comes back. We many times in the church, when, when, when we have people that come back in, we try to make ourselves feel better because understand there is a problem in the church today. And it's not just today. This problem is going on. Jesus talked about this in the Bible. He dealt with the Pharisees about it. We try to make ourselves, we try to earn our way into heaven we feel like we have to earn God's love and earn God's respect. And so therefore, we try to make ourselves feel better by telling and pointing out the problems with everybody else. Yeah. Am I the only one that ever, am I the only one? I will, I will confess this morning that I, I do things like that sometimes. I have penny parties and I talk about, you know what, at least I don't, yeah. at least I don't, yeah. you know, it's, I, I have friends 
I grew up in a, I grew up in a Pentecostal, you know, background, really, you know, strict church. And, and, uh, and so I have friends that are still, they're still in that denomination. And then I have friends being, uh, working uh, around musicians and working in the music industry and things. I have friends that are way on the other side uh, of the spectrum. And so it's, it's funny because on my Facebook feed, I've got like things that I don't want my Christian friends seeing that other people put. <laughs> and then I've got, I don't put them, but other people are doing it. And then on this side, I've got things that I don't want these friends to see because I'm embarrassed at some of the things they get. You know what I'm saying? Because they're really strict. And so we see these kind of things that go on and, 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 and it's easy for us to pick out. And I have these friends on this side that often one of their favorite things to post is that the church needs to be hard on sin again. We need to be tough on sin. We need to start calling out sin. But it's funny, the sins that they want to call out are not the ones that they struggle with. I rarely see one talk about overeating. Hello? <laughs> I was Pentecostal, buddy. I had my fair, fair, my fair share of fried chicken and apple pie, I tell you. But, you know, we don't want to talk about that and what the Bible says about that. Well, you know, or, or, or there are other sins. I think I told you in a previous sermon about uh, a friend of mine. He was, at a, he was at a youth conference in California. California is different than they are here in the South in the Bible Belt. If you've never been to a conference out there, they're a little different. And so uh, they, were, they were having a discussion. There were, there, there were two leaders, and they were having a discussion about uh, this guy allowed his, allowed his youth group uh, mixed bathing is what we used to call it. It was, they, they went, that has nothing to do with bathing. It has to do with they went swimming together. And so... Uh, you know, when, when I was growing up at youth camp, you were not, mixed bathing was not allowed. The boys swam at this time, girls swam at this time. They didn't want any of that, any of those thoughts getting in there. It didn't help. So, uh, but you know, they, they decided, and they're having this discussion. And so this one youth, this, this one youth leader was talking about, I can't believe that you let your kids swim together like that. Do you realize the thing? And the whole time she's got a cigarette dangling out of her mouth while she's, and, and the other guy was like, you realize that a lot of people I know would have a problem with, you know, and it was, and so we call out, you know, we like to call out other people's sins and ignore the fact, you know, the Bible talks about, we got a big old stick in this eye, but we're talking, hey, you got a speck in your eye right there you need to, you need to get rid of. You got something on your face, and we got this big mark on our face. That's the way we are, and so Jesus is talking, and the older brother, he's pointing out to yours, he says, this son of yours. He's talking about the Pharisees, and he's talking, he, he's, he talks about the older brother. He's trying to catch him because they're talking about the prodigal. And at this point, they're talking about what a disrespectful young man he was and the disgusting things that he did and how he wasted his money. And he, and he went out and did all this stuff, and he came back, and they're like, he should repent. That's it. And the older brother says, you throw a party for this guy? You killed the fatted calf. Now, the fatted calf is the one that they keep, that they fatten up. So whenever uh, they're, they're, they're feeding it the good stuff and they're getting it fat. So when they, when they have a guest come in, whenever Rick's have a party, they go kill that one. And that's the good one. That's, that, that's the one that, you know, this is the good meat you want. This isn't the stuff that we pull out for leftovers or this isn't the cow that we feed, you know, when we're, this is the good one here. This is when the president comes over. If you like the president, maybe you want to feed him a little, I don't know. You know, well, you know this, this is the one that we want to take care of here. And you had a party, you killed the fatted calf, you put a robe on his back, you put a ring on his finger. This son of yours has been wasting your money. And we get caught up in the, we get caught up in the cycle, in the church of, God, do you not realize what this person is doing? We begin to call out other ministries. I could name all three or four this morning of, of, of men that are doing things and, and, and they're reaching places and there are people that can't stand them because they're not hard enough on sin or this person doesn't preach against this particular people or this person doesn't do that. 
Can I, can I just, I, I'm just going to be, I'm going to be very vulnerable and, and usually I would say I'm going to be naked here for a second. I'm just going to be transparent, okay? I, I'm, I'm not going to hide behind all the pretenses here. I'm just going to be real honest with you and tell you this. This is going to come as a shock to some of you, so hold on. I am not God. I, I know, I know, right? I, I am not God. To go one step further, I do not have all of the answers. I don't have everything figured out. There are things that God allows that I go, really? Really? But it's okay because there are friends of mine who see me sometimes and go, really? Him? Pastor Rick let this guy up here? Really? That must have been hard up for somebody to talk this morning. You know, I don't have all the answers. And I know that God has a lot of grace with me. And I'm fixing to get ahead of myself. So the next thing that the older brother, the final thing that the older brother did, he finds, he finds his worth in his place in the family. And you see, one of the mistakes that we make in church, again, I'm going to be real transparent here and tell you, there have been times in my ministry, I, I, I've been in church ministry, I've been involved in church ministry since I was 18 years old. Um, I, I, was, I, I, was at a, I, I was an assistant youth pastor, and, and my wife and I was in college. We, we were dating at the time. We were youth leaders uh, at, uh, at a church here in Birmingham. Um, when I was still in college, I, I was just getting through. I was 20 years old when I got my first, uh, I was first on staff at a church. I was a music pastor and, and, and the youth pastor. I was 20. I had kids that were like 18, so go figure. Um, and, but we tend to find our place in the family of God. We tend to, to find our place by our, our worth by what our place is. And there have been times where my self-worth was defined by my title in my church. And there are people out there, <laughs> you, know, you, you know guys, and, and they start to throw titles, they're not satisfied with pastor, they want bishop, or they want, they want you know, uh, uh, they, they, they begin to throw, there's, there's a lot of other ones out there, they, they begin to throw these, uh, I, we, we do, the company that I work with, we do a lot of work in churches all over the, uh, all over the place. And I laugh at, at some of the titles because they, you know, uh, elder, exalted brother, but you know, I mean, these things, they, they're these, they, they really deal, they, they have these. And so, but you, the problem in the church, and this was the deal with the Pharisees, and, and this has been going on for as long as the church has been around, because it, it was with the Pharisees, it was in the early days of the Catholic church where they kept everything in Latin so that the common people couldn't read it. So only the priests could read and understand. So they had to come to them for the priest to do that. And, and don't get mad at the Catholics because we've done it. We print things, you know, in certain, uh, we, we didn't want to print Bibles in other languages. We wanted them in English so we could go to another country and teach them English and then try to tell them the word of God. We set and find our worth by our place in ministry, our place in the family. And the older brother, he was the oldest. I, I'm, I'm the oldest. I get the double portion. I'm the most important. I'm the, I, I'm the faithful one. I'm the responsible one. And you're padding you're patting this guy on the back, the one who went out and wasted your money. And sometimes if we're not careful, in the next few weeks, we're going to have, because we're really going to push in the coming weeks about bringing unsaved, bringing unchurched, bringing de people who've been hurt 
They may be anti-church because they've been hurt. And we're going to bring those people, we're going to bring them in, and we're going to preach the message of Jesus, and we're going to love them with everything that we got. And we have to understand before they get here that these guys are prodigals. And they've been crawling around in the pig, in the pig bin. They've been slopping hogs. They have, they have been hurt and they want nothing to do with who we are. And they're only here because their friend asked them and said that they'd take them out to lunch afterwards. Pastor Rick said he'd pay for it. So. <laughs> he did. He said it. He said he'd pay for them, not you. So. But you know, it, they're, they're going to come because somebody invited them. Somebody pleaded with them. Somebody pestered them until they said, you know what? If you'll shut up, I'll come. There was a, uh, there's a parable Jesus tells. He says, go to the highways and byways and compel them in. Go anywhere, compel them, beg them, tie them up. Whatever you have to do, don't tie them up, okay? Let me, the safety team would get upset. Don't tie them up, okay? Bring them in, whatever you have to do. Beg them, bring them in. And so these people are going to come in, and, and, and they're going to be, they're going to make mistakes, they're going to be doing things. They may, there, there may be empty beer bottles in the parking lot. There may be cigarette butts and things in the parking lot. There may be things that make you uncomfortable that are going on, but they are here because they have said, they've tried everything else, and they're, going to, they're coming to say, anything is better than this. I don't have to be a child. I'll be a servant. And what we as the church, what we as the older brother cannot do is say, you got to cut that long hair before you can come to church, boy. I can say that now. You got to take them earrings out. You got to take that ring out of your nose. You're gonna have to do, you know, whatever it is. We we try to do that. You know, we say you're gonna have you're gonna have to quit going to those. You're gonna have to quit reading those books. You're gonna have to quit going to that movie. You're gonna have to quit doing this. God, do you see what they're doing? Now, the older brother represents the church, the Pharisees that he's talking to, the religious leaders. Now, not all the church is like that because the church of Jesus Christ loves one another. And they love, and, and, and that's what Jesus is telling them. Jesus, he's told these stories because they're complaining about the people that Jesus is hanging out with. Can I just tell you a secret this morning? If Jesus were here today, on the earth today, he would be in church somewhere this morning but this afternoon, he wouldn't be going to a choir practice or something else. Jesus would be going downtown somewhere to find a group of people that are, that are in pig slop so he can talk to them. He'd be finding somebody to love on that needs loving on. He wouldn't be here to try to make us feel better by saying, you know what? You're, the disciples, he would say, you're my favorite. Don't tell, don't tell Rick, but you're my favorite. Don't, Rick, you're really my favorite. I just told them that because I didn't want to get upset. The disciples are like that. Peter and, uh, Peter and James, that was a, uh, there's another parable that Jesus tells. And I want to touch base on this one. As a matter of fact, I think uh, um, there's a parable that, uh, that Jesus tells about, about a, a landowner. And he's got all this land and he's got the crops and it's, it's, time to, it's time to harvest the crops and he needs help. So he goes down to the Home Depot to get some day laborers. Anybody ever, you know, day laborers, they hang out at the, okay, so anyway, he goes down to Home Depot to get the day laborers. And so he gets, he gets everybody that's there and he says, I will pay you. Now in the Bible it tells us, I'll pay you a denarius. A denarius was the day's wages for a Roman soldier. So basically that, you know, that's, that's, that's decent money. And so he tells them, I'll pay you this to come work. And they all went, yeah. So they jump in the truck and so they go out there to work in the fields. 
So he takes them out there. So about nine o'clock, they've been out there since six o'clock this morning. At nine o'clock, he takes the truck back down and, and he sees some more guys. And he said, hey, you guys want to work? I'll pay you, I'll pay you a denarius if you want to come work. Yeah. So they jump in the truck and he takes them out there. So these guys have been working. He goes back out around noon. He has to go get something. So he goes down there and he sees some more guys. He says, hey, would you like to come work in the field? I'll pay you. Okay. So they get in the truck and they go. He goes back like at three o'clock that afternoon and he sees more people. He said, hey, you guys want to work? How come you're not working? He said, nobody hired us today. Well, hey, come on. I got plenty of work to go around. And so he takes a truckload out there. At five o'clock in the afternoon, the same day late, the same owner goes back and he sees a few more guys. Hey, you guys need a job? As a matter of fact, they do. Well, hop in. I got something for you. And so he takes them all out there. They've been working. At six o'clock, it's time to quit. And so at six o'clock, you've got guys that have been there from six o'clock that morning, some from nine, some from 12, some from three, some from five o'clock. So he says, he tells his, uh, he tells the foreman, he said, I tell you what, line these guys up and start paying them. Start with the ones that you hired at five o'clock today and pay them first and pay everybody else and take rid. So they're all standing there in line and they get ready to get paid. And the guys at five o'clock, they get up there and he gives them a denarius, a day's wage. Thank you. I was only here an hour. So, so they take it and they go, well, the guys that have been here since six o'clock are at the back of the line. But as they get the rumbling, starting to make it back as they see these guys walking out, he paid them. a. I bet he's going to give us a bonus. We've been here a lot. You know, we did. I did 10 times as much work as him. I've been here all day. I've been sweating all day. He's going to give us a bonus. And they get up there to the front and the people that have been there since six o'clock that morning, he gives them a denarius. And they go, excuse me? You paid that guy that only worked an hour this much money. How come? I've been here all day. And the guy said, did I not tell you this morning that I'd pay you this much money? Well, yeah, but, but you paid him this much money. Said, Just because I'm generous with that guy doesn't mean that I have to give you, I, 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 gave, I gave you a, a fair wage and you agreed to it. But this guy over here, I decided to be generous and give them because they came with no questions asked and with no expectations, and I gave it to them. And Jesus tells them that such is the way that this is the great reversal. The he that's first will be last, and he that's last will be first. And as the older brothers, sometimes we are like those that have been there since 6 o'clock in this morning. I got saved October 30th, 1976. I was, it was three years before I was born. Um, in case you're doing the math there. I was six years old, 1976, October 3rd, 1976, and I repeated the center prayer for the first time in my life. I'd been raised in church. I knew all about it, but I'd never taken that step. And so at that point, that's, the, that's where I gave my life to Jesus. Now, there were times as a teenager where, you know, I struggled, but I was in church my whole life, and, and I probably rededicated my life two or three times. But, but there were, that's, that's where it started for me. And so from 1976, so this is, this, is my, this is my 40th birthday coming up in October, Okay. My 40th birthday with Jesus is coming up here in, in, in October. And so for those 40 years, it's easy for me to say, you know what? I've been doing this for 40 years. How come, God, I don't have what this person has? It's only been doing this for a year. We had new people on the stage this morning. Were they not awesome? Is it not good to see new people that are up here playing? And they've been working. It's easy. It's easy. It would be easy to say, you know what? They let those new people come in and play. And uh, I've been going to this church, and they don't let me play. Well, first off, you didn't ask. Second off, you can't play. So, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. 
No, you know, but the, it's, it's easy for us to, to look at that and to say, it'd be easy to say, I've been doing this for 40 years. Why does this person get to do this? Or why does this person get to do this? It's because of the father. And this is where I'm going to bring it all to a head. The good, good father. You see, from the very start of this story, we've talked about the prodigal who thumbed his nose at the father and took off on his own doing his own thing and comes back. We talked about the older brother who judges the younger brother and judges the way the father handles it. But let's look for a moment at the father. The good, good father, he never gave up on the prodigal. One of the central points on this is that Jesus is telling this, he leaves the 99 to go after the one sheep, he searches for the coin, the prodigal son. He never gave up on the prodigal. Look what it says about the father. Luke 15, 20. The son, he got right up and went home to his father. And when he was still a long way off, his father saw him, his heart pounding. He ran out and embraced him and kissed him. Now he saw him from a long way off. Now that doesn't happen if you're not looking for it. It says he was still a long way off when he saw him. The father never gave up on the prodigal. The grace of God is enough, is sufficient to cover whatever and wherever you've been. And just like that prodigal that I told you about earlier that talked to his dad and said, you don't know where I've been and what I've done. That father said, it doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. I love you because you're my son. The prodigal, it doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. The father loves you. And the father is searching for you. And he's waiting for the day that you come back. The grace of the father is enough to cover the prodigal. But I want you to see the next thing that the good father does. He speaks to the older son exactly where he is. He didn't, not only did he not judge the prodigal, he could have come out, he could have come out to the older son and said, you ungrateful jerk, you whiny, snot-nosed punk, I'm your dad. I still, I'm not dead yet. I still control this stuff. And what I choose to do is my right as the father. But he didn't do that. Just like he didn't speak to the, the prodigal and say, you know what, you're going to be a servant for a few months until I see if you've learned your lesson. That's what he should have done. I mean, that's, that's what I'd have done. <laughs> but I'm not the good, good father. But the good, good father, with his grace, not only did he do that, but the, he reached the son where he was at. Number one, he was reassuring to the older brother. Luke 15, 31, the father said, son, you don't understand. You're with me all the time. See, he was complaining. The older brother was complaining because the younger brother had been out doing all this other stuff and, and, and wasted. But he said, you don't understand. You're with me all the time. You're always my son. I know that you're the dependable one that I don't have to worry about. And so you may think that I'm neglecting you, but you're with me all the time. He reassures who he is. The next thing that he does he reminds him of his future. He says, you're with me all the time and everything that I have is yours. Don't forget your brother's already got everything else that I do from now on is yours. Anything that I have, rest assured, your future is secure because this is yours. So as the church, God tells us that I'm with you all the time. When you serve me and when, I, when I'm yours, when you come, I see you when you're sweeping the floor before everybody gets there. I see you when you get the trash can and you go pick up trash 
that was here when we got here that you didn't drop. I see you when you unload a trailer that you don't play anything off of and you show up and you just do whatever because you want to be helpful. I see you, every little thing that you do, when you scrub toilets, when you change diapers, when you do anything in my name, I see it. And I'm with you all the time. And not only that, your future is set because when you're mine, I've given you life everlasting. And it's something that can never be taken away from you. And finally, the good father reminds the son, the older son of the mission. What's our mission? To make disciples. Wherever we go, whatever we do, we're making disciples. He said, but this is a wonderful time. We've had to, it's a wonderful time that we had to celebrate. This brother of yours, remember the older son, the, the older son said, your son. The father says, your brother. This brother of yours was dead and now he's alive. He was lost, but he's found. And he brought everything back to the mission. Because you see, the older father, the, the, the good father understood that grace is the central point of this message. The central point of the story is not about a person who goes off and does and repents and comes back and is accepted. It's not even about an older brother or for the Pharisees, their attitude sometime about otherwise because they, they try to hold themselves up, to set themselves up by, by making rules and things to make it hard so it seems as if they're there. It's about the Father who loved you so much that He gave His only Son that whoever will believe in Him would have life, not just, not just life, but have life everlasting. The good Father's grace reaches out beyond all of our faults. And we need to be reminded this morning, Pastor Rick, at the end of last week's service where he set me up, he said, he said Jonah's biggest sin was the fact that he didn't want anybody else to get saved. Our biggest sin as a church is that we try to be the older brother and try to point out the problems that other people have. We call it, we're trying to, I'm trying to challenge you to be better. No, you're not. You're trying to make yourself feel better. Now, there's a time where you build a relationship one-on-one. -on -one. I have a relationship with Pastor Rick, and Pastor Rick can come to me and say, Jeff, I think you might, I think this might be an issue. And, and I accept it. But if he stands up here on Sunday morning and says, <laughs> the next time somebody says they want the church to be hard on sin, tell them that we're going to start calling off a list of sins next Sunday and they can come and, and, and stand in the appropriate line. Let's see just how many people show up for church. <laughs> Not very many. But you see, we build relationships. We go one-on-one -on -one so that we can help people. We can encourage them. So that we can point out, not, not as the older brother that points and storms and says, I don't want to be around them because they don't know what they're doing. They're ungrateful. But as the older, as a big brother, Jesus is our big brother, the firstborn of all creation is what the Bible says he is. And as our older brother, Jesus tells the father, you know what? I died for that. It's covered. It's okay. Would you stand with me this morning? The worship team is going to make their way up here. We're going to sing just a little bit. You guys can come on down. If, you, if you're new here, um, we like to close down the front. As, you know, don't be scared. We're not going to grab you. This is not the Pentecostal church I grew up in, so don't. <laughs> it's not quite that scary. Don't worry about it. And there are some people down here that are, 
They've got lanyards on. These guys, are our, these guys are our prayer team. And these guys have been praying for you. They may not have known who you are. They may not have known your name. They may not have even known you were going to be here this morning. But they have been praying for these people in this service all week long. And this morning, as we prayed together, they were prepared. Now, now I've been talking this morning about, about the prodigal. And maybe, maybe you were the prodigal. Maybe you are the prodigal. Maybe you know a prodigal. And if that's you, and you need, you need to come this morning and say, anything is better than this. I'll, I'll do anything, God. Then these guys want to pray with you. And, and it was brought up this morning. Let, let, me just, let me just touch on a point. If you know a prodigal who needs God, you can come and pray with these guys, and they will pray with you for that person. Maybe you've raised one. Maybe you've got one right now that's in your family, and you, you know they need God. These guys will pray with you. I'll pray with you because I know what that feels like. But maybe you're the older, maybe you're the older brother. Maybe you're the Pharisees that God was talking to that, that you've become so hardened because you've been in church and, and, and there's something about when we come in, you know, when we hang out for so long, we try to, we try to be relevant. Have you, you ever worked in a job for so long that you get bored with your job that you try to find things to make yourself relevant? The older I get, I, I started leading worship 20-something years ago. And when I first started here, Jamie was very lovingly saying, some of those songs that you do are old, dude. <laughs> but here's the funny thing. Some of these young guys are telling Jamie, and they'll be telling Jamie the next few years, some of these songs you do are old, dude. So, But you see, we try to make ourselves relevant sometimes. All God wants is you. All we need is you. All of your scars, all of your warts, everything that you have in your life that you think is ugly and you think makes you unworthy is why God says you can reach this person because they got a scar just like that. You can reach this person because they have a problem just like that and they need to know that you had that problem. I share things a lot of times. My, my family tells me I overshare sometimes. I like to be transparent because here's the thing. I'm not a perfect person. And if you hang around with me for any length of time, you're going to discover I'm not a perfect person. So I would a whole lot rather you know coming into this thing that I'm not perfect. So when you see me do things imperfect, you're like, oh, that's what he's talking about. Okay, that's not so bad. Because I haven't set this thing up that I'm better than you are. So maybe you're, maybe you're one of the older brothers today and, and, and you've been trying to seem... You've been trying to feel like I've got to be, I've, I've got to be really good. Pastor Rick, I, I, I can't be on the prayer team because I got this problem. Well, you know what? Let's, let's take care of it. Maybe you're here this morning. You're saying, I, I can't do that because I got things. And so uh, I, I have to make myself. You know what? All God wants this morning, the good father has grace that will cover wherever and whatever you are.